You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Wednesday, August the 23rd. You join me at York on the first day of the Ebor Festival. Jane Mangan is with me today, has made the trip from Ireland to be alongside us on Racing TV over the next four days. It's a, a pleasant morning, I think you could say. A gentle breeze, overcast, but forecast to brighten up somewhat for today's Judmont International. Paddington looking to extend his winning spree in Group 1 races. How are you, Jane? I'm very fresh. I arrived in yesterday. It was lovely and warm, and I hope this, this morning clears a little bit of an over cast sky but I think we're meant to be forecast for a nice day and there'll be hot action on the track and there'll be a lot of banter with us in the middle of the ring. How would you describe York uh, relative to the other group one race courses you've been to around the world? What, what is its what is its unique selling point if indeed it has one? Well last year it really hit me how big the town the city is. It's bigger than Dublin so for any Irish person if you're coming it, to York it, it? it feels like it's it took, no way bigger than Dublin. Me, York's not bigger than Dublin. It, it, you know what it feels like it is because you don't know it. Uh, it's beautiful as a town <laughs> as a city whatever you want to call it. As a track, I actually was lucky enough to ride here once and don't underestimate how long the straight is. Um, Did you ride in the Queen Mother's Cup? Is that the amateur, the, the amateur race, is, the big, the really famous one, the Lady Amateurs race where you win your weight in champagne? Yeah, fortunately I didn't win it because that would have been a woeful <laughs> waste, wouldn't it? Um, and even this morning I got in around nine, the place is basically closed, but a member of staff saw me like a dazzled rabbit wandering around and welcomed me. And that's kind of the overall feeling with York is that everybody here wants everybody to have a good time and uh, we're sitting at the winning line looking at all the Judmont sponsorship um, memorabilia and uh, there's been some great battles here down through the years I hope we have another one today Uh, yesterday we were evoking the previous forerunner Judmont Internationals I was taking people back to 2009 and see the stars against three Bally Doyles and then back to to 97 when Bosra Sham was widely expected to win but in fact Singspiel won for Frankie de Torre Dottori's still here, and he's riding Mostard after today in place of the band Jim Crowley as he bids to lower the colours of Paddington. Has Dottori, or perhaps Holly Doyle, or perhaps Sheen Murphy, got some piece of tactical genius with which to undermine the relentless brilliance of the three-year-old Paddington? Well, they may try something. Um, when Aidan usually, when he runs one, that means he's got a real one. And he did it at, York, he did it at Goodwood, and he's doing it again today. No need for uh, a pacemaker in here to try and drag them out I think Paddington is versatile regards whatever they want to do um, but I'm interested look the Foxes should have won in Belmont just things didn't happen for him on the day Mastodaf I think they finally found his conditions quick ground a mile or ten furlongs personally I'm a huge fan of Nashua I don't think she'll land a blow here but Paddington has to back up again after a heavy ground call it what you want it's still a group one in the Sussex so um, who's yeah. go, who's going to go forward from the gate? How do you if you Ryan. play this play this in your head? He goes he go. What does he do? Ryan makes all makes all and tries to tries to mess with the pace a bit up front. No, goes good, goes a good horses galloping. Says catch me if you can. And just rides him like 
the best, best horse. horse. I, I would imagine we, we, we're going to try and make it dramatic and interesting and it will be once it plays out. But I'd imagine Ryan is going to go out with the plan A being the simple one. All right. Why are, on this occasion, Coolmore not running a pacemaker? They had Point Lonsdale in here. Given the possibility of a mess, couldn't they have put Point Lonsdale in and just Ryan sat second and got a nice lead into the race? Take it up whenever they he chooses. They could have done that at Goodwood and they didn't bother. Yeah, Goodwood, heavy ground, significant inferiors as well at Goodwood. You know, the one rival had no chance on that ground. This is a slightly different ball game. Yeah, but I'd imagine they're probably just thinking the same thing. Go out and, and do their own thing. How long would Point Lonsdale lead them anyway? Mm. I uh, was at Ballydoyle last Thursday. Look at you. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I, I could tell you anything particularly revealing, <laughs> but I did, get, I did get a glimpse of Paddington. Okay. Uh, who was just having a pick of grass in the afternoon. Tall horse, strong. Yeah, yeah, big brown horse, yeah, whatever. Big, big bay. Big, big brown horse, yeah, <laughs> big bay horse. Um, but he, he did look full of beans. He was, yeah. you know, not turning himself inside out, but really kind of bucking and squealing and having a good roll. And He kind of has a manger zeal to him. Uh, mangers have steel, and he seems, the fact that he can back up a group ones every month, which is what See the Stars did, which is what the good horses can do, and maybe he wasn't maximised in Goodwood because he won comfortably there. Maybe he wasn't maximised in Ascot because he was also very impressive there. But um, he's got a bit of a... It's admirable what he's doing, and it's admirable what they're doing with him. And the manger, of course, comes from his dam, who is by manger, uh, modern eagle. Do you think, then, that he's actually a slightly flashier horse than perhaps he's been given credit for. A lot's been talked about him being a bit quite workmanlike in the way that he, he does things. I, I'm not really sure. I almost think that's damning him with faint praise, really. I accept the comparisons with Giants Causeway up to a point, but isn't he actually winning these races with a bit of dash and flair? He is now. Uh, the Guineas, Irish Guineas, didn't blow me away, but Ascot did. And ever since then, I think he's just gone up and up and up. Um, there's been a lot of talking horses this year his own stable mate August Rodan being one of them so there's only so many horses you can get excited about and now it's this guy mm. who seems to be putting up the performances and I said yesterday I, I titled yesterday's pod, podcast where have all the good horses gone because there were 10 runners in the King George none of them are here there's only one from the, the Coral Eclipse and there's only one from the, the Prince of Wales' stakes he's obviously exceptional but are we going through a bit of a lean spell of really good quality middle distance horses in Europe at the moment I don't know I, I, I think there's a couple of glass ceilings after being shattered and they're trying to gather themselves up with a view to the autumn and knowing that this guy was coming here they probably just went elsewhere yeah. um, I, 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 this is a great race I, I only think you need two horses to make a race and I think mm. Mustadaf is that horse with him well I, st- I still say the attempt to beat See the Stars here from, from Bally Doyle was one of the most mesmerising things you'll ever see. Enthralling and like Frankel here with St Nicholas Abbey and Farr and Tom Queeley just wheeling around the outside saying goodbye. Uh, this, this race, it'll be, it'll be exciting nonetheless. A really absorbing edition of the Judmont International takes place at 3.35 this afternoon. All right, well tomorrow's Yorkshire Oaks, in contrast to the Judmont International, has attracted quite a big field. Uh, and amongst them is the Nassau Stakes winner. I was going to say shock Nassau Stakes winner, but was it that much of a surprise? I'm not sure it was. Al Hooson, she's ascending the ranks quite rapidly, and her trainer Roger Varian is with me now. Roger, after the race, you were half toying with the idea of running in the Yorkshire Oaks. What's prompted the the full-on assault? Um, yeah, no, look, we're very happy with uh, um, Nick. I think um, immediate aftermath of, of races, you're never quite sure how they'll 
it'll be the next day and you know the following week and uh you know you want time to to assess the horse and, and gather your thoughts and um you know that's uh that's what we afforded ourselves so you know we didn't rush to the decision and um you know we've been really very pleased with her over the last seven to ten days and she looks she looks ready to run again and you know, she looks like she's she's got every chance to stay in the extra two furlongs. Of course, you never know until you until you ask her to do it. But I think on a flat track like York, on, on what's likely to be good good to firm ground, I think they're sort of you know that's that's really the best conditions to to ask her to to stretch out a little bit further on. And um, you know, hopefully she'll she'll prove it's a right decision. I, I realise you never go into a Group One race unless you think you've got a Group One horse. So there's always the possibility that you're going to win that race. But you were a, you were really delighted after the Nassau. Um, it, it seemed to, to really thrill you. Was there an element that you thought, well, that's exceeded my expectations? Do you felt it was almost a bit, not a bonus, but more than you expected? Um, I think it, it, it possibly was sort of back in time from where the filly has come from to where she is now. I think on the day I was, I was hopeful because... Yeah, she obviously she beat Nashua at uh, at Goodwood, and we thought she was in real, you know, good nick going into. Sorry, Nashua at Newcastle thought she was really in good nick going into into the Goodwood race. You know, the ground was testing, wasn't it? That that sort of um, opens things up a little bit. Uh, she's so you know tough and nutty, but you know, I don't think she's ever won a race by more than a length and a half. You know, she's. You know, but but she's won a lot of races. So I think um, when we got her on the day, you know, we we certainly weren't writing her off. We we knew it was a big a big yeah. ask, um, but felt she was in good form. I think uh, you know, just so delighted to to, to win a race like the Nassau Stakes. We'd been second in it two years previously, <laughs> and um, you know, of course, uh, I think the longer you, you you play at this game, you know, the um, you know the greater feeling it is to win the bigger races. Um, so no, I think it was just gen, uh, genuine joy at, uh, mm. at winning the Nassau, and um, you know how far the Phillies come over the last twelve months. I guess that's quite an interesting observation. I think that the, the the depth of appreciation grows rather than diminishes. You don't get blasé about it. You actually appreciate a Group One win more now than perhaps you did five, seven, ten years ago. A hundred percent, that's the case. Certainly with me, Nick. I'm not sure everyone else, but. Um, I think the longer you're at it, you know, the harder and the more challenging it seems to become. And um, you know, the Group One races are jolly hard to win. And you know, to to to, to win a race like the Nassau obviously gave gave the whole team yeah. here, you know, as well as I think the Shadwell team, you know, great uh, great joy. And um, hopefully, she can go on in it, not be her only Group One, but she wins. Um, do you think she's going to get a mile and a half quite comfortably? I'm pretty hopeful she will, you know. Um, she's got such a relaxed way of going. Um, purely on pedigree, she's every chance of, of staying the trip. Um, she's never looked weak at the end of her races over a mile and a quarter. Um, very strong through the line on, on a stiff track like Newcastle. Very strong through the line on, on testing ground at Goodwood last time. Um, we, you'll never know until she sort of goes that extra two furlongs. We, we were sure Elder Elder would get the, the Gold Cup trip, and he he didn't appear to. So you never quite know, but I, I'd be um, reasonably confident she'll get the trip. You've got him uh, engaged in the in the Lonsdale. Is he is he going to run? Is he in good nick? 
Yeah, we actually um, not quite uh, done our decks for Friday, um, so I'm not going to answer <laughs> that in case I change my mind in the next half hour, which is very possible. Um, but he, he has the Irish St. Ledger, uh, which is only two and a half weeks away, um, to consider as well. And that's, that's back over the mile and okay. six furlongs, which is arguably um, the distance that he's, he's shown his highest level of form. So right. I don't think it will be both both races. It'll either be York Friday in the Longsdale or, or we'll hang on for the Irish St. Ledger. All right. I, I, it's all right. I, I can edit this accordingly. So that's absolutely fine. Um, that will work either which way. And you have declared Madara in the, in the Galtris. Um, how promising a filly do you think she is? Yeah, I think she's a very good filly, Nick. And um, what would I love? I-, I would love a few showers to hit the track before the Goldress. Um, you know, we might have to have a-, a serious think about things if it if it if it uh, if it rode very quick on Thursday afternoon. Um, I think when she went off, I think she went off favourite, but ran disappointing on the Pinnacle Stakes back in May at Haydock. That was very fast ground. And I don't think she let down on it. Um, so we'd love to run her on on Thursday in the Goldtrist. It's a lovely race for her. It's an open race, but a lovely, lovely track. And I think it's her trip. Um, but we'd like there to be just a little bit of cushion in the ground. Hopefully that you know that will be the case. Uh, Roger, I can't let you go now, unfortunately, after any interview without asking about King of Steel. Um, he's become a, a, a much talked about horse, and, and probably quite a talismanic horse for the for the yard as well. Uh, how is he pointing towards the Irish Champion Stakes? Yeah, he's in great form, Nick. Um, really, we couldn't be more pleased with him where, where he's at. Um, and uh, yeah, very much uh, it's a plan to go to Ireland with him. And you know, he's obviously got you know a fortnight's uh, work ahead of him. So you know, one day at a time. But no, we're we're delighted with him, and, and you know, we obviously have been all, all year. And you know, hopefully, he'll just keep getting better and better. That was Roger Varian. Uh, interesting thoughts. I, I was particularly interested, Jane, in hearing him say that the depth of appreciation for winning big races grows as his career progresses rather than diminishes. It's not as though he's become so accustomed to doing well that he's more blasé than he was 10 years ago. Far from it. I think, I think as you go on and you gather experience, you realise just how hard it is. It's just how hard the whole game is. To, to, to really make an impact. Yeah, look, I, I wouldn't know, but it's interesting to hear. Well, I mean, you've got a closer experience of training resources than I have. Yeah, but it's it's a, it's a always hard to get the first one and then the hunger to, to maintain once you get to the top level like Roger has. Um, I'd imagine none of it's easy and you're going to have so many disappointments along the way. So, of course, it's going to be sweet. I think with Al Husson, it, it, it was... It was for me, a surprise what she did in Goodwood. So maybe they've always believed in him, in her, and she has a string of ones next to her name. But it was kind of bringing her to boiling point, and they did that to very good effect. But now it's a case of backing up against some very good fillies. Uh, I actually really like Warm Heart. Save the last dance. I hope that rain doesn't come because I'm selfish and I'm here sitting in the sunshine. Um, has she got? I mean this in the nicest possible way. Has she got a touch of the slows. Save the last dance. I think she's a ledger filly. Yeah, I, I was sure we all saw what happened at the Curra. If that rain didn't come, Blue Stocking would have won the Irish Oaks. Am I wrong? I, th- I think that's right. Uh, and it, is it flat spots or is it just that she's got her own mind? Uh, that's the other thing I can't quite work out. I think she's very genuine, but I think when other horses quicken, she's found wanting. And then maybe when the, ra- the, the quickening slackens off, she just 
keeps going keeps going so I, I just think she doesn't have that tactical turn of gear that maybe Blue Stocking showed when Colin Keane sent her to the front in, in the Curra uh, but I think Warm Heart if you watch back that race she wasn't ideally placed in behind she beat Blue Stocking at Newbury earlier in the year she was very good in the Ribblesdale so I like her Paddy Toomey's back for more Ross Carberry this is actually deep uh, Yorkshire Oaks I'm very much looking forward to it I thought Paddy Toomey was quite confident I interviewed him on Luck on Sunday the other day He tends his glass tends to be fuller rather than emptier I think as a general rule but then when you look at his strike rate it's not exactly surprising she's got a good race in her somewhere that filly she has won good races no but you know what I mean she's she got has a, a group one in she's her. got a serious race in her at some yeah, point yeah that's why they spent a million quid on her last year at the December sale I, I think Paddy believes in himself and his horses and his staff I think they're a team that does not turn up unless they're going to be competitive he's not going to come across just to have the day out um she's a good like she's had no luck this year in her runs we saw what happened during the pretty poly and and that run over mile and a half was just a bit too far but i i, I think she has a great chance um nova kai free wind did they keep her in training for a for a group one they did she mm. she just been hitting the bar the thing is she looked so brilliant on a couple of occasions well last year and the year before she hasn't ascended to those heights this season and I just wonder whether she's gone off a bit. Now, she could come here and deliver something spectacular. People said the same about Nashua, and then she went to the Falmouth and exploded. Mm. And nobody... No, we've said this before. No one curates a good horse's career better than, than John Gosden. Now John and Daly Gosden. I think that's been his... his yeah, the biggest strength of a, a glittering career. So maybe. But for me, I, I don't want to pile in at reasonably short on yeah she's what, around 5 to 1 look she's only had 10 runs so she's never been over raced her first run back this year I was thinking right this is the year she's going to win a big race when she beat Rogue Millennium and Poptronic here um, but her latter two runs leave a bit to be desired I, I think there's a big one in her but as you say mm. I think that Warm Heart at what 8 or 10 to 1 is a little bit better value lovely talking of the Gosdens we spoke yesterday to Richard Brown who manages the racing interest of Wathnan Racing in, in the UK and is responsible for accumulating this, at the moment, fairly small but very select band of horses. 11 in training at the moment in Britain, four of them turning up here at the Ebor Festival, including Gregory today, Courage Monami in the Lonsdale later in the week, and possibly Isaac Shelby in the city of York, Ballymount Bay today as well, in the Acom Stakes. Um, do you think they've played Gregory and Courage Monami in the right races? I was it right to go Goodwood Cup with Courage and not Gregory and bring Gregory back in trip today en route to the ledger? Well, they didn't want to run Gregory on soft or heavy ground, so, th- so that's probably the, the short of that. Um, he's got to carry the penalty today for winning the Queen's Vase, so it's going to be a little bit more of a test for him. I read today in the Racing Post that Aidan thinks continuous will benefit from the run. God, I hope he, he turns up here right ready because this is a good race for him. This mm. is a good spot for him. He's run to King of Steel in, in Ascot is good. He's running the Dante is good. It all adds up. Um, I, I think I'm going to take on Gregory here. That'll be with Bally Doyle. With continuous, the Hearts Cry Colt who should appreciate the ground quickening up a bit. Again, there's the opportunity in the voltage for somebody to take the bull by the horns. It's, there's no obvious signed on pace. No, and I I won't pretend to know how this is going to play out. It's going to be very tactical. Um, Frankie, Frankie's got to make plenty of use of Gregory, hasn't he? Even if it is a prep run. Just the fact that he's dropping down two, mile, two furlongs in trip, the way he did it at Ascot, I, uh, he's going to try and dictate. But are they going to let him do that?
All right, well, one of the big features of York Seaboard Festival takes place tomorrow. That's Thursday at 2.25. It's the 2023 running of the Goffs UK Harry Beebe Premier Yearling Stakes. It's one of the most established sales races in the calendar from Goffs UK. Their managing director, Tim Kent, joins me now. Tim, uh, this has had quite an interesting history, this race, and there have been some quite significant developments this year into next year as well. Just tell us more about that. Yeah, as you said, this has been the, the longest, long-established sales race. It's had some wonderful graduates from the race, including the likes of um, Dark Angel, Wooden Bassett, Acclamation, Tazley, some house- household names that have gone on to big race success, having used the race as a, as a stepping stone. The race is worth £300,000. It commemorates um, the, the late chairman, Harry Beebe, who, is, who, who without, without whom uh, we... Goffs UK certainly wouldn't be anywhere near what it is today. Um, and the big change we've made next year is we've increased the prize fund to half a million pounds, which um, between Harry and Henry BB, this was always something they really wanted to do. And it just seems fitting that we're able to do it next year. So any any um, graduates of the sale this year, which takes place in Doncaster next week, they will be the only graduates of the, of, of, uh, of the sales race ready, ready to run in York um, in 2024. I, I realise that, that to you this question might be, well, ask me to state the bleeding obvious, but what is actually the purpose of a race like this for you? For us, it's to, it's to reward the, the smaller owners, and especially syndicates as well. If you look at the, the, um, the betting tomorrow, the top two, one's owned by Midland Park, one's owned by um, Kennet Valley. It, it, it's a wonderful incentive for syndicates, owners, to, to the smaller owners, to have a day out at the races and try and win a big prize. And you know, tomorrow the first prize win, winner gets one hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Next year it'll be close to two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. It's a huge incentive um, to, to, to buy a yearling. You know, the average price at our yearling sale, the Premier Yearling Sales, is around fifty thousand pounds. To get your money back in one hit is uh, is a huge incentive. And there's prize money down to tenth place as well, so there's plenty of opportunity. For all, for all those participants to, to at least get their entry fee back. And we, you know we've had some quite lively debate on this show about, about sales races and their place in the calendar as a, as a whole, not just golfs, but, but the ones put forward by, by all the sales houses. And you know, there's, there's an age-old argument, particularly in a, in a week where you've got races like the Jim Crack and the Lowther, that they're, they're detracting in some way from the pattern. What's the, what's the kind of company line on that now? Well, for us, they, they, they give um, they give people a choice. You know, unfortunately, not all horses are good enough to run in the pattern, and certainly there, there are a number of horses. We've actually done the, the research, given the, um, the the focus on it this year. We've done the research. Some of the horses that have had stakes entries, Lowther, Jim Crack entries at, at York, whether they've come our way, whether they've gone to gone to the um, down the pattern route, and and the horses with with the, the proven form have gone down the pattern route, and and we would argue that if you could consider the likes of Wooden Bassett, he won his maiden before he won the race at York, and and I'm, I I think that Richard Fye and his team used the race at York as a stepping stone to, to bigger to, to bigger race success later on in the year. So th- there's for those the horses that are ready to run in pattern races at this time of year, I think they go down the pattern route. For the horses where the trainers are still trying to establish exactly how good they are, they perhaps use us as a stepping stone to pattern race success if they're good enough later on in the year so i think it has its place it does, certainly doesn't take away from the pattern it, add, it adds a bit of variation and um and, and we look forward to a, to a good race full field there tomorrow at york mm, yeah big field as well and, and looks a looks a terrific addition of this race just the, the front three look quite exciting horses potentially I wanted to, to ask you about your, your upcoming sale because it, extraordinarily, even though we still seem in the in the high months of summer, the yearling sales are only around the corner and we've already had Deauville kickoff sales season. For you as a as a as a rival sales house, if you like, you look at the results there, do you think, all right, this is gonna be a good year? 
Well, we're hopeful. I mean, it's certainly been it's been very strong in Saratoga. It was very strong in Dover, as you said. And we, we know that we've got a good catalogue of horses. We, we, we've had a number of agents uh, not linked to ourselves. Obviously, they've been going around to some of the farms recently, seeing what they've seen, and they've been very positive about, about the horses. Now, as a team, as an inspection team, both in the UK and Ireland, we were, we were hopeful, we were positive when we put the catalogues together, but it's nice to hear it from, from, uh, from independent people. So, yeah, we know we've got a good, good catalogue of horses. The vendors are saying the right things. The buyers are saying the right things. There's, there's money sloshing around, as, as we've seen at the, at the two previous sales. Plus, the Breeze Up guys, they've They've had a very good year, so they're, they're trying to reinvest. So we're, we're hopeful. We know the stock is there. And, um, yeah, we look as, as I said earlier, they're the only graduates for the half a million pound race next year. So we're hopeful that it all comes together at Doncaster next week. Tim, thanks so much for your time. Very best of luck. Thank you, Nick. Well, it's brightening up nicely now here on the Knavesmire. And it wouldn't be a trip to York without a contribution from our very own Tom Stanley. When they come in the stabling area at York Racecourse, as you know, it's the other side of the, the racecourse, the famous uh, walker across the track, which uh, most horses handle. Um, not every single horse does. And overseeing things here are Leanne Asprey and Caroline Hardy with a stable manager and the assistant stable manager. Leanne, first of all, uh, what a facility this is it's it's ever so peaceful yeah it's fantastic um obviously with being at the other side of the racetrack you can't hear the crowds they can't hear any noise it is you wouldn't even know you're in the city of york mm. yeah well that's it you're you're, you're banging the city center but there, there's so much space here and it's quite uniquely laid out right on on four quadrangles yeah. i'm reliably yeah. informed with grass in the center so the horses have somewhere to have a pick of grass and stretch their legs and yeah it is really peaceful everyone has their own little areas i think don't know that they go to so yeah people go back to the same places yeah, we're actually yeah. we're not too far away from frankel's box which was box 56 in stable two is that yard right two. Yard, yard two yard two quite that's right it. Yeah. um so yes that's uh, quite a famous box really <laughs> uh, how many boxes in total leanne we've got 160 across the four four yards and they will every single one will be in use across these four days yes 100 percent, because we have the overlapping of overnights so yes we'll use all 160 most days so does uh, horses that don't overnight will do they, you have areas for just sort of day turnaround do you yes uh day runners i'll go up into yard three and four which one yard predominantly three is shavings and yard four is paper so they can take their choice and they go up there the overnighters come into one and two where we have overnight security to keep an eye on them of an evening yeah very important and then anyone staying over is that nearby who stays over with the horses the um people staying with the horses have accommodation here on site um there's uh, the annex and the main hotel building so yeah they're all here what is the the sort of typical day for you so tomorrow jumpman international day leanne to wake up to bedtime what, what do you do um it'll be up at five people get up to start feeding um and then they go out and exercise between seven and eight they'll have a canter down the back straight um and then runners start coming in from nine so it's allocating stables till about an hour after the last and then it is basically mucking everything out making sure everything's tidy ready to go again at five o'clock the next morning potentially with irish coming in at half ten and four o'clock in the morning okay so i mean it sounds like incredibly hard work if you're having a if another horse is going into a box after a previous estate overnight, is it? It's not just mucking out. I guess it's. It's you've got to sort of fully clean. Yeah, it's completely emptied um, and then bedded back up and um, disinfected. Um, so it's all clean and mm. perfect. And you and in the winter, you you have your own yard elsewhere, do you? I have my own yard um, near Malton for uh, hunters. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're slightly different quality horse here. That's that's uh, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. And you, Leanne? 
Yes, same as I'm, I'm full time here, but again, yard at home. We've got um, a standard Irish draft stallion, and again, a few hunters, a few homebreds, that kind of thing. Which horse are you most looking forward to, to see, overseeing this week? Obviously, my little girl would love me to say Paddington, but we're very much looking forward to the Highfield Princess for Yorkshire, I think, on the Nunthorpe. Okay. Definitely. Okay. What's your little girl called? Amy. Okay. Amy Paddington, if you're listening, but otherwise, the Yorkshire Queen Highfield Princess. Definitely. Definitely. Guys, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Star. Thank you, fabulous. We're back here with Jane Mangan. Jane, there's 16 declared. We just had the declarations for the Coolmore Wooden Bassett and Nunthorpe stakes, and all the principles are kind of drawn around each other. Highfield Princess in six, and Big Evs in eight, and Bradsell in nine. They're all kind of in that low to middle area of the uh, of the stalls. So it, it, it's brewing up into a into a terrific race. Again, do you try and cut through what's been written and just keep it keep it simple? Uh, well, I literally just pulled up the race, so I'm not going to pretend to know how to interpret the sprint yet. It just... Well, I mean, you're pretty familiar with the I... fact that Bradsell beat Highfield Princess in the King Stand and she's come out and bolted up at Goodwood since and she won the race last year as part of a triptych of Group 1s. I think, I think Highfield Princess is out for revenge. Yeah, she's out for revenge. They were magnanimous. You think you'll get it. They were magnanimous in defeat in, in controversial circumstances at Ascot. Would you, you would actually go so far as to say... They were controversial circumstances. John Quinn was a was a very level headed. He played it like a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Would you Others have, wouldn't would, have. Would you have done? I would have been aggrieved. <laughs> would you, I would have been aggrieved. Would, would Jane's temper have come out? I would have had to remind myself of how John Quinn handled it. Yeah. Look, that's gone now. This is the next step. And uh, Highfield Princess, Bradzell, what is Eve's Fables, Twilight Call. Um, had him. Oh, now I like. I, I'm. I'm falling for the, the the candy man again. Twilight calls. You're just. You're going to just follow the Frankie bandwagon. Well, all I want. The obviously, I, I want Highfield Princess to win. Yes. And and she's got a great chance. But if you get a back one at a price, honestly, that horse ran so well in the King Stand with no luck at all. This is his race. This is definitely his race. Candy won it with his grandsire Kylaki back in 2002. Do you remember that? No. That one, one of the great, well, well one of the most I love, talked guys, about. Guys, he just pulled 2002 off the top of his head at 10 o'clock in the morning. Like, that's just ridiculous. Well, there's a picture of him on the wall walking up to the press room. I just looked at it. I just saw Falbrav. See, that's what I was mm-hmm. looking at. That was a year distance. later. That was 2003. <laughs> it was indeed, yeah. Yeah, well, 2002 was the year I started doing this job. And uh, Spencer gave him a ridiculous ridiculous ride of incredible daring in a five furlong race he was drawn on the on the wrong side of the track so everyone thought and he just took him from the worst draw of all and did a you know right angle across the track yeah Yeah. but over five furlongs you haven't got much time here as well you've got much time to make it up yeah he's capable of magic yeah but this is this time around um look I think the big theme of this week as well is the prize money, right? So actually, I, know, I never forget. Just before, I've just got to carry, carry this on one sec because I remember distinctly Henry Candy being interviewed at Ripon a few days later when he had a winner uh, on the then at the races and being asked about Jamie's ride and how great everyone said it was inspired and blah blah blah. He got up to win by a tiny margin. Um, and I remember Henry Candy basically saying, "Yeah, if he kept in a straight line, he'd have won by further." He wasn't having any of that. That's all open to interpretation, yeah. But yeah. anyway, it's good when it works out. Anyway, he trained the trained the grandsire to win this race. So I, I, anyway, I, I think this is the horse's race, pure you're speed. You're very sweet on him, aren't you? I think he'll run a big race. I'm not saying he can win, but I think he'll run a huge race. Okay, well, time will tell. What are you tipping today? Uh, today, uh, what have I tipped? Ballymount Boy. 
Okay. In the Aikim, not very original. Yeah, um, I like cogitate. Watching back the maidens last night, he was very comfortable at Newbury. Oh, you love these Churchills, don't you? <sighs> uh, yes, I've uh, I've gone for Bally Mountain Boy. I've gone for Continuous. Okay. Same as you. Yeah, good. And I thought, I don't know, I I went with Mostadaf, but the more I think about it, the more I think Paddington it's will probably pretty, just win. It, it's uh, I think he'd have to underperform to get beaten, particularly when he's receiving seven pounds. I'd be very disappointed. Okay. Um, I just thought conditions perfectly in Mostadaf's favour and if there's a day where he's going to turn it on it could just be today but maybe the Ascot win was fraudulent I just can't work it out I don't know if Luxembourg is as good as he was when he won at Leperstown last year I think they all ran badly behind him and I think Adair was ready to retire yeah my Prospero was disappointing and Baybridge the ground was too quick my Prospero has been beaten subsequently at listed or group 3 level um, not taking away from Mostadaf, he was brilliant in Riyadh in February. He was brilliant at Ascot, and as you say, he has his conditions. But he's the five-year-old, so he won his first Group One at Ascot. Paddington's chasing his fifth. All right, here's the totes, Jamie Hart, with today's World Pool update. Hello, Nick. Yes, the Ebor gives us another chance for UK and Irish punters to bet through the tote into the World Pool. This is where all of the totes around the world club together and form one big massive tote and of course it gives you lots of value within the tote because all the rest of the world doesn't necessarily see the races in the same way that the UK and Irish do. Um, also people ask us well what do, you know what does it do for racing? I think Ebor meeting was first covered by Whirlpool in 2021 and then the minimum uh, guaranteed prize money per race was £70,000 still fantastic total prize money for the meeting £4.7 million. Now, that was 2021, just a couple of years ago. 2023, the minimum per race is now £100,000, so up 43%. And the total prize money is up 36% to £6.4 So, you know, plenty, plenty of um, benefit for the race course there because of the Whirlpool support, along with other good sponsors. But the Whirlpool really, really pushing the, the, the dial there. Today, looking for value, and there is plenty of value about... The early value pointers in the first race, Intrinsic Bond is uh, been backed well today uh, in the in the opener. Uh, one fifty is five to one in the UK. That's showing on the whirlpool about ten to one, so double price. Uh, in the big race, the Judmont International, Mostadaf is about eleven to four. Now that's that's seven to two on the whirlpool. It looks like that will be the one runner in the race that is value. Now in that race as well, you can bet a place for the whirlpool it's uh, the places in a four-runner race are one and two so basically you're picking a horse to come in the first half of the field now uh, the other one just to finish off the one another one that's been backed richard farhi's uh, marine wave in the phillies handicap sprint um oshin or on board now that's been back to eight to one in the uk but it's still available at 25 to one in the whirlpool so there's a few bits of value there for the whirlpool on the first day at the ebor through the tote well, we are going around the grounds at York during the course of Ebor Festival Week, and I'm really pleased to be joined by Steve Cooper, who is responsible in quite a new role for really all the food and beverage offering at, at York. It's a big team. It's renowned. You heard James Brennan talking about it the day before yesterday. Steve, first of all, for you on a morning like this, just how manic is it and how on earth have you got a few minutes to, to talk on this podcast? Well, Nick, it's all about being organised and the team here at York 
um, are exceptionally organised. We have um, an outstanding um, director of F&B and Kevin and our exec chef, Chris. And I've had a little walk into the kitchen this morning and, you know, there was time for a cup of tea and a smile and, a, you know, a little bit of a look at what's going on for all the top people in racing that are coming to York later on. The, you know, the food going out today is is top class. You've had extensive experience across a range of race courses, a range of sporting venues, including Manchester United for a number of years. How would you compare this as an experience for you? I think um, every sporting venue strives to be um, at the top of their game and deliver excellent food and beverage and service to all guests. Um, York has the, the, the most collaborative feel I've, I've ever come across. William sets, um, rightly sets, very high standards that the whole team are just always keen and passionate to meet. So I think the team, the, the York experience is just something hugely special. And obviously, it's complemented by absolutely first-class racing on the track. Would that extend, say, to, to senior management at York, you're sampling every bit of food and, and drink that you're 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 putting <laughs> you're putting out there and actually and actually doing some kind of you know feasibility study on on what you're what you're giving to the punters? So yeah, so from drawing across my experience of several many in fact all of the sporting venues i've ever worked at the senior management team are always very keen to help us make sure that the food and beverage is top quality with tastings and advice and we welcome that and how important is york's place in the world and i mean that quite literally uh, yorkshire provenance your know, local growers local farms trying to support what's around you particularly in light of what we were hearing yesterday from amy about york's drive for sustainability yeah, I mean, it, it's it's massively important and something that everybody here at the racecourse is really proud of. So, you know, there's several examples today um, on one of our cod dishes today. The cauliflower is grown locally. The baby leeks are grown locally. There's relationship with farmers, butchers. And um, on one of the new bars today, the Flying Frankie bar, then we've been lucky enough that the Thigston's Brewery has um, brewed as an IPA, especially for York. So... It's something that we, you know, we, we concentrate on, work really hard with the local economy on, and, you, and I believe we, you know, we do a really good job of it. Steve Cooper, who's had extensive experience around the country's racecourses and sporting stadia, and enjoying himself here at York. In a big week, big week on the hospitality front, as it always is for our regular guest Neil Phillips at these big festivals, as he's dispensing the usual what we've become accustomed to I, i'm i'm not sure i'm quite ready neil having been clean living since goodwood um because goodwood was quite a heavy week i'm not quite sure i'm ready for for, for you, what you normally provide at this time of the morning but you can tell me all about it anyway and tell me a little bit about york and uh, york from a hospitality point of view well, it's fantastic to be here, Nick. We, I will get it to taste. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be very fit at the moment, training for a 10-mile run, but I'm actually going to have some champagne here. Mm -hmm. So this is Champagne Mercier. So this is the house champagne here at York. Right. Champagne of the month here. All part of LVMH. Used to be very independent. That, for those who don't know, LVMH is Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy. Thank, thank you. Yeah. He's right on the ball here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so selling at £48 a bottle. And I think this is a really good example. How much? £48 a bottle. On the race course? Yeah. That's well. I'm not going to say it's cheap because it's not obviously, 
but it is very reasonable for a bottle of champagne at a sporting stadium. And that's what William wants to talk about. And that's what William Darby's been talking and Steve as well. And, and also, he's just getting the right style for that too, by the way. And this is very easy drinking. Got the three great varieties, Pinot Noir, Mouni and Chardonnay. But it's got the freshness, not too dry, which is also important when you've got the house style as well. Lots of people are going to be standing around drinking the champagne on its own. Yeah, so it, you need to have something that's a pleasant yeah. drink and not something that is that is too dry. No, not at all. And we're going to have something very different on Friday on the pod, actually, when we taste some champagnes from Lanson, for example. Different style, more foody, for example. But I think that's really pleasant. Nick, how do you find that after your break from Goodwood? Come yeah, on. Yeah, fine, actually. Quite nice. I mean, but it's always, like, it's always nice this time of the morning. Mm. I think tasting in the morning is great, actually. It's when I do my professional tasting in the morning because I think that's the best time to taste, personally. Um, we've also got here, but just from the hospitality point of view, you, you know, Steve Cooper's a really good guy. We, we, now, now, this could be a first. We're being moved up. We're being moved on because okay. uh, be, okay. because we're, we're, being, okay. we're being told we can't bring alcohol Sorry, outside. So we're, we're outside on the, on the, on the press room steppings here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to do this right. We better do this quickly, Neil. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to quickly taste yeah, the taste pink. The right. We're yeah. going to have lots of great stuff coming up this week. One of the brilliant things local here is the Jeb Bell pies mm. and, and scotch eggs. That's very nice. Merton Chandon Rosé. Drink it young, super fresh, vibrant, lovely and summery. Strawberries, cherries, raspberries. And that is a kind of rosé champagne you just want to enjoy now. I think it's fab. It looks great. The colour is very deep as well. More Pinot Noir there. Deeper than some other rosés perfect it's going to sell really well at the Ebor festival quite rightly the gentleman down there is spied okay. two wrong and we are, we are being we moved are, on we are going so, on stage tour so thank you very much <laughs> thanks very much nick here we go off we pop well jane mangan's still with me thanks to all my guests today jane is going to round off the show with a tip for you but before you do jane a little bit of news coming out of the u.s surrounding the uh, celebrity chef and well-known racehorse owner bobby flay what can you tell me Yes, uh, it's emerged over the last couple of days that Bobby Flay, who was investing heavily in bloodstock right up until last December, has decided to step away from the sport. It became apparent when his um, his home near the racetrack of Saratoga. Yeah, he only bought it like a year and a half ago. Yeah, it's been put on the market and a number of horses have been sold, including I see final gesture of Paddy Toomey's running in Martin Schwartz's colours last week. And she'd only been acquired for quite a considerable amount of money last December. So somebody who I saw in the flesh playing a major role at Tatterstall's book one last October has decided that uh, he wants to get away. Yeah, that's a that's a great shame and a, and a big loss because he's been quite a character in, in US racing, often popping up on the on the broadcast and uh, just and bringing... He's, he, he's, in, he's enjoyed a high level of success mm. and Pizza Bianca now yeah. breeding. I'd imagine if there is horses to come on public auction, there'll be, there'll be massive sums exchanged. But he was, uh, he was very passionate about the game, so I'd be interested to see or hear why. And that place in Saratoga is only about three mil, Jane. Looks quite nice too. Do you want to go halves? Yeah, go on then. I'll have the West Wing. <laughs> I'll get to the States someday. Jane, thank you very much. What, um, what is the selection for today? It's not a big field, but I am very sweet on continuous in the, in the Great Voltageur. Let's see if he's up to St. Ledger calibre. Aidan O'Brien knows what to do with one of those. Continuous for me in the three o'clock, the Great Voltageur. Great stuff, Jane. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your company today. We will be back to do it all over again tomorrow. Have a fantastic day and make sure you tune in, if for nothing else, for the 335, the Judmont International, from here on day one of the Ebor meeting at York.
You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.